Okay, you can be seated now. We're going to uh, be receiving tithes and offerings in just a moment. And so if you are giving cash and you like a record of your giving, you can raise your hands real high and our ushers will get you an envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Summit Church or SC. Uh, don't forget that today is Mission Sunday. And remember the missionaries that we support, Steve and Carolyn Schulich in Malaysia and India. Of course, Rebecca Dan Walsh in Romania. Uh, Nahari and Lada Thorat are in India. Rolando and Holly Herrera in Costa Rica. Plus, we are helping with the, the Victory Church Costa Rica building project. And we also support Voice of the Martyrs. So, um, as you feel led on your check or envelope, just whatever you feel the Lord leads you to designate towards missions, just write that on there and that would be a blessing. Um, also, to find out more about Summit Church's missionaries, uh, you can go to our, uh, it's in the bulletin, and it's, uh, we have a missions table set up back there. You can go and find out more information at the missions table, also on our website. Also, at the uh, missions table, we have cards that we would like everybody to sign uh, before you leave today. That uh, actually is just as important to the missionaries as the money that we send. And uh, uh, was our sound system busted, broke? What, what happened to it, do you know? Oh. oh, well. Well, at least we have one, huh? Amen. It woke up cranky this morning. I sound like I'm in a barrel. So, um, so should we, can, can you just get it where I don't sound like I'm in a barrel? <laughs> And then just, okay, very good. What was I talking about? Signing those cards. If you sign those cards for those missionaries, they really are blessed by that, really, as, as much as the, the finances from what they've told me over the years. Also, the heart's desire, it's, uh, it's something we do for ladies on the mission, missions field or wives of missionaries. Um, we, uh, have, have it on our heart to bless them. A lot of times they get forgotten. I remember when we gave Lada Thorat a gift. That was the first gift she'd ever ever received, and uh, she was just so blessed by it. And so we've we've been able to do a lot to help uh, the ladies on the mission field over the years. We've bought them I don't know dishwashers and you know just different things. And uh, so this this last or this one that we're collecting for this month is Shirley Sissel. They were here just uh, a couple of weeks ago visiting, and she wants a window air conditioner, window air conditioner, and. Uh, and actually, she told us that she uh, went ahead and just bought it by faith. Just went ahead and bought it and just trusting that the funds come in. She needs $440. And uh, somebody anonymously came forward and already donated $400 of that. Isn't that wonderful? And so we'll collect for her today. I trust we'll get $40, don't you think? Amen. And then we're going to send that off to her. And so she's just so blessed. It's hot in Costa Rica. I was down there. It's hot. And so uh, we're, we're going to be a blessing to her. And uh, then next month, we're going to collect for Holly Herrera. And, and in fact, uh, she's going to, or her husband, uh, Rolando, he's going to be here just visiting with us a few weeks down the road. And he was my interpreter when I preached in Costa Rica. And so he's, uh, he's a good fella. He's going to be here. But anyway, if you need more information on Shirley Sissel or or any of the missionaries, it's in the bulletin. Amen? Praise God. All right, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. 
And then we'll receive the tithes and offerings and then we'll get in to the word of God. I don't believe I missed anything. I think I got everything in there. So did I miss anything, honey? Did I get it all? Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. So we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity to receive tithes and offerings and and be a blessing to missionaries. And just as the people are faithful to the work of God and to you, Lord, we know from your word that you're faithful back to them. We we believe and declare all the needs of the people in the church are met, not only met, but abundantly met. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may receive the tithes and the offerings, if you would. And uh, while they're receiving the tithes and offerings, uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew, the 10th chapter. And... Uh, if you need a Bible, if you didn't bring one with you today, our ushers will get you one. Now, do you think our ushers can do more than one thing at a time? Do you think they can collect the tithes and offerings and pass out Bibles? I think they can. If not, my assistant here, Brian, will help. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand real high and we'll get you one. There's just something about turning in the Bible that's a blessing, you know. And so even though we have the scriptures on the screen... Uh, it's good to open your Bible. Matthew, the 10th chapter. I want to, of course, thank Mike Shepard for being here last week while Diane and I were on vacation and he came and ministered and was a blessing. And uh, he did a fantastic job. But uh, anyway, Diane and I went on vacation. We, had, we went to the Grand Canyon. We had never been there and uh, we'd been want, wanting to go to the Grand Canyon for years and just never went, and so we just just went this last last week, and uh, I've never seen anything thing so beautiful. Uh, uh, I know uh, we went through Sedona and went to Page, and it was beautiful. But we got to the Grand Canyon. I'd been waiting all my life to see the Grand Canyon in person, and uh, we drove. We fl- flew three hours to get to Phoenix, and then drove I don't know about three and a half four hours to get to the Grand Canyon, and we get there and. Uh, I'm wanting to see the Grand Canyon. I've been waiting all my life. And so there was an area up behind the visitor center where you could go out and look at it. But there was a thunderstorm that came over. And so I couldn't couldn't go up there because it was lightning. And and so they had a uh, little place in the visitor center where you can go sit and, you know, watch a movie on the Grand Canyon. So I'm sitting there. You know, watching them, you know, I fly three hours, drive, drive, drive through four hours, whatever it was. And I told Diane, I said, I come all this way and I'm still looking at the Grand Canyon on television. I, you know, this is ridiculous. And so we, we came out of the, the little movie theater and it's still, you still can't get out there to look at it. So we got a bus and they have shuttle buses, wonderful operation they have there. And they took us over and we we had lunch and, and so we came out from lunch, and, and so then they, we drove the little shuttle bus to finally going to be able to look at the Grand Canyon. So I remember I'm walking down the, the, little, the little pathway, you know, and I see a bunch of people gathered up. And I saw some iron, you know, like bars where, you know, you, know, you could walk up to. And I saw people out there, so I'm thinking to myself, I've been looking at this thing on television for years. Now I'm going to finally get to see it. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if it's going to live up to my expectations, you know, I... I've seen so many things over the years that when I finally got to look at it, it just didn't live up to my expectations. And and I tell you what, I'm walking down this path, and 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 and, and I, I'm walking along there, you know, and I and I look, 
And I did a Fred Sanford. I mean, it, it, it just almost put me on my knees. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, I've, been, I've been to Hawaii. I've been to the Rocky Mountains. I've been to the Niagara Falls. You put all them together and multiply it, and you still don't touch what I saw to me at the Grand Canyon. I mean, un, unbelievable. I was speechless for about 15 minutes. Could hardly talk. I just, you just can't, you can't, you just, you can't, there's no way to put it in words. And so as I was looking at that, I was thinking about, you know, how big God is. And God is big. He's a big God. You know, I, I just looked up some scriptures that just, 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 Say, say this to you about how big God is. How many of you glad he's a big God? You know, he created the Grand Canyon. You understand that? The Bible says that God is so big the heavens cannot contain him. He holds the oceans in his hand. That's pretty big. He measures the heavens with the span of his hand, the Bible says. He weighs the mountains on his scale. That's, that's a pretty big God. The Bible says his eyes can scan the entire earth in a glance. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. The Bible says. That's a big God. The Bible says with the blast of his nostrils, the waters gather together and the oceans stand upright like a heap. That, that's a big, mighty, powerful God. And you know, we've been trained over the years to think that bigger is better and God is a big God and I'd be the first one to say that he is. And while God is big, yet we've been trained to think that bigger is better. But you know, if we're not careful, we can be disoriented by size and the bigness of things. We must realize that that Bigger is not always better. I don't know about you, but have you ever supersized a meal at McDonald's? That's bigger, but you know that's not better. Not for your waistline and your arteries, it's not. You know, sometimes you don't need something to be big, but you need it to be small. Has anyone ever accidentally dropped their key under their car seat? And you try to reach down there and you can't get at it. You don't need something big. You need something what? Have you ever dropped coins out of your pocket into your couch? You don't need something big. You need something small. Have you ever been like me? Uh, you know, kicked a, you know, you drop a knife on the floor and you accidentally kick it under the refrigerator and now you're trying to get that thing out of there? Has anybody ever done that besides me? And you don't need something big, you need something what? Small. Is that, is that right? You know, I think of the superheroes, you, you know, have you ever heard of the Atom? The superhero from years ago, when I was growing up in the good days, when, when they had good superheroes and things. And, but the Atom was this little bitty superhero. He was real, real small. And... You know, there's not many people have heard about the Adam. Most people, how many has ever heard of Superman? Oh, you've heard of Superman because he's Superman. He's the man of steel. He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. He can bend steel with his bare hands. Is that right? 
And we've been trained to think that, 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 you know, Superman, he's big and he's bad and that's better. Well, thank God for Superman. I, I'm, I'm glad for him. But did you know that there's things that the atom could do that Superman never could? Do you realize that? There's places the atom could go. There's things that he could do that Superman and all his might and all his strength was not able to do. And so you need to realize that sometimes you don't need something big. You need something small. You need to realize that. See, God is big and there's times that we need the bigness of God and the might of God. But as I was looking at the Grand Canyon and I, and I know God created that and I saw the awesomeness of it and the enormity of it, the Spirit of God began to deal with my heart as to how small God can be. How big is God? He's just as big as you need Him to be. But he can also be just as small and intimate as you need him to be. Titling this, How Small Is God? I don't mean that disrespectfully, but what I'm saying is, you know, we always think of the bigness and the enormity. But, 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 but just as big as God is, and, and he's bigger than the giants in our life and, and all of that. But yet, he can be just as small as we need him to be. You, you see, God not only created the Grand Canyon and elephants and rhinoceroses and hippos, but He also created the ant, didn't He? And He also created things that we can't even see with the naked eye, but we need a microscope to see. Is that not correct? And as we look at Matthew, the 10th chapter and the 29th verse, Jesus says, Matthew 10, 29, He says, Are not two sparrows... Sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Or we could say without him knowing about it. Think about this. Two little birds. Two little bitty birds. And Jesus said not one of them would even fall to the ground and God not know about it. Now there's a big God, but He's also you can see the the, the you can see the inti- how, how intimate He is, and and how you understand when I say small, I don't mean anything disrespectful. But He cares about a little bitty bitty bird. Now, I don't know that about you, but that does something to me. And, and as you read on there, you can see that, 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 that if he cares that much about a little bitty bird that falls out in the forest and nobody knows it falls, but God knows it falls, he says, aren't we of more value than they? So if God is, that big God that we serve is small enough to care about a little bitty bird, how much more is he going to be concerned about the situations of your life? Notice verse 30 says, the very hairs of your head are all what? They're all what? They're all what? Numbered. They're all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. That's a big God, but can you see the smallness of God in that? Do, do you see that? I, you, you know I don't mean any disrespect when I say God can be small. 
I'm glad that he can be small. We need to know that he can be small. I'm glad to know that he cares about the hairs on my head. How about you? Psalm 56 and 8. Psalm 56 and 8. Let's go there. Just to showing you how small God can be. He's a big God. He's a great God. But he can also be small. How small can he be? Just as small as you need him to be. Look at Psalm 56, 8. Notice what the Bible says. You number, the psalmist says, you, talking to God, you number my wanderings. I wondered what that meant. And as I studied it out, one of the translations says, says this. One of the, one of the Bible says this. Bible translation says this. You've kept track of my every toss and turn through my sleepless nights. Has anybody ever had a sleepless night besides me? Where you've been worried about a situation or something hasn't gone right and you're concerned about it. You just, you know, maybe there's not enough money to pay the bills or maybe there's a relational problem, you know, in your life and, 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 you, you know, you can't sleep at night and you're on your bed and you're tossing and turning and the Bible says that God keeps track of your every toss and your every turn. Now that's a big God, but you can see the smallness and the intimacy of God in that. That he keeps track of our every toss and our every turn. The Bible says right here, he puts our tears into his bottle. And are they not in your book? Every time you've shed a tear, would you, would you agree with me that tears are small things? Every tear that you've ever cried, God has record of it and he's kept it in a bottle. Now that's something to me. That's impressive to me. Every tear you've ever cried in, in sorrow or any tear whatsoever that you've ever cried, God has record of it and he's kept record of it in a book. Notice in Jeremiah 1 and 5, we'll see again how small our great God can be. Jeremiah 1 and 5, notice this. He, he says to Jeremiah, but yet we know God is no respecter of persons. So he says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now that's a big God, but can you see how intimate he is? How, how, how the, the, the big, our big God, but the smallness of, that he, he, that when we're in our mother's womb, he forms us in our mother's womb. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And, and then of course to Jeremiah, he said he had ordained him a prophet to the nations. Now not all of us are ordained that, but, but God formed all of us in our mother's womb. And he knew us before we were born. Just think about, that's a small place inside the belly of a mom. But God can be small enough to know you and to form you there. I've learned this about God. You know, we talk about God and a big God and, and, he, and he is. But, you know, if we're not careful, we tend to think that God only uses big things and mighty things. Did you know the Bible is full of examples that God uses small things? You see, we've been trained, and I want to say this again, we've been trained to think that bigger 
is always better. And, and the bigger it is, the better it is. But I've had to learn over all these years that just because something is big doesn't mean that God's in it. Just because something is massive and huge doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is there. Did you hear me? God often uses small things. And He uses people with humble attitudes and Notice in 1 Samuel 15 and 17. 1 Samuel 15 and 17. Notice 1 Samuel 15 and 17. Remember King Saul. Remember him. And God anointed him and God used him. But notice Saul's attitude when God picked him and anointed him. Notice Samuel said to Saul, he says here in 1 Samuel 15 17, When you were little in your own eyes... Or we could say it this way, when you were small in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? You see, God chose Saul because Saul had a humble attitude and he was small in his own eyes. He didn't see himself as some a uh, uh, big shot, you know. Uh, actually, the Bible says that that Saul, from my study of it, was a rather tall individual, and he stood stood taller than the other people, and he very easily could have gotten this attitude that you know I'm taller and I'm bigger and I'm badder. But you know what? If he'd have had that attitude, God would not have used him. But he had a humble attitude. He, he, he was small in his own eyes. He didn't see himself as really being anything. He, 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 you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't have good self-esteem. We should. But you know, the Bible says we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And, and, and when Saul had that good and right attitude, God used him. But then as you read on, and we won't look the scriptures up, but we could, as you read on, you see that Saul later, when God began to use him, he began to get a haughty attitude. And do you know that that haughty, that big shot attitude cost him? And then God rejected him. Let us always realize that our big God doesn't look for big things. He looks for, a lot of times, small things. The Bible says in one verse that God takes the foolish things of this world and uses the small and what, what we would think of as foolish and to confound the wise. You see, if we'll be small in our own eyes and humble in our own eyes and, 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 and all of that, then God looks on that and he says, there's somebody that I can use. But then we have to be watchful that when he blesses us and makes us strong and, and that we don't get a haughty attitude because then he can't use us anymore. What does the Bible say? Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before great destruction. Is, is that right? You know, I was thinking about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is small, isn't it? And, and if you want to, you can look up Micah chapter 5 verse 2. We're just talking about how, how small God is and, and, and that he uses small things. Look at, look at if you can find Micah 5 verse 2. Uh, it, it's on the screen. But notice the prophet here says, but you, and God says through the prophet Micah, but you Bethlehem, though you are little, are small 
among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Of course, he was talking about Jesus. Where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. But you see, Jesus didn't come from the big city, did he? He was born, our Lord was born in Bethlehem, a small town. And you know, our Lord was not born in a big, massive Hilton hotel, was he? But he was born in a what? In a, in a stable. Very humble. Very humble. See, God is a big God, but he can be very small and that he cares about small things. And look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 6, just to further establish this with you. Look at this. 1 Samuel 16, 6. 1 Samuel 16, 6. Remember when God sent Samuel over to Jesse's house to because Saul had become haughty and prideful, and so God rejected him, and now God was looking for another person to anoint as king you know and so God had made his choice so he sent uh, Samuel over to Jesse's house because Jesse had several you know children sons and and one of them was going to be the king and so Samuel goes over there and notice in verse 6 so it was when they came that Samuel looked at Eliab That was Jesse's oldest son. He looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Because you see, Samuel looked at him and he saw evidently something that we we would consider as big and wonderful and fantastic. And so Samuel thought, well, this must be the Lord's anointed. But look at verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. See, Samuel was looking at his physical stature. He must have been big. He must have been pretty bad looking, you know. But God said, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. You need to realize that. The Lord does not see as man sees. For for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? At the heart. You need to understand that. Just because something is big and bad looking doesn't mean God has approved of it. You need to realize that. So Jesse called Abinadab, Abinadab, however you want to say it, and, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Uh, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the what? The what? The youngest. Or or we might say the the smallest, the littlest. And there he is keeping the sheep. Keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. The Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. That was David. And it's interesting as you look at David, 
notice where was he when all of the other sons were in the house passing before the prophet? Where was he? He was out keeping the what? Keeping the sheep. And from my study, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of sheep. Jesse evidently didn't have a bunches of sheep. He had a few sheep. He had some sheep. But those sheep were precious to David. And David loved those few sheep. Can you see why God chose him and picked him to be the king? Can you see that? It's interesting if you look later when uh, Eliab, Abinab, Shaman, these, these other brothers of David were out facing the giant. Remember Goliath? And remember, David wasn't there at first, but eventually Jesse sent him up to the, to the front lines where the Israelites were facing Goliath. And when, now listen to me, when David showed up, I believe it was Eliab who made the statement to him and said, Why have you come here? We thought you'd be home tending to those few sheep. You see, Eliab, this one that Samuel would have chosen because evidently he, he was of some stature, he didn't regard those few sheep as important. God did. Do you see that? How many sees that? How many wants to go anywhere with God? Then you better get a hold of this message today. Because if you don't get a hold of this, God will never be able to use you or me or anybody else. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That he may what? Exalt you in what? In due season. It's interesting as you study David when... Jesse sent him to the front lines to go up and bring supplies to his brothers before he would leave those sheep. Do you know what David did? He saw to it that those sheep had a qualified keeper or caretaker before he would leave them. But they're just a few sheep. And we've got a giant to kill. Well, until you're concerned about the few sheep, God will not anoint you to take down the giant. Did you hear me? I'm not boring you, am I? You see, we tend to look for God, as I said, in big things, but we oftentimes miss Him in... What seemingly are small things. Look at 1 Kings 19 verse 11. 1 Kings 19 verse 11. Remember the prophet Elijah. And much we could say to set this story up. But for the sake of time we'll just read these two verses. In 1 Kings 19 verse 11. Then God said to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Well, that's something big and bad and awesome. That wind, it tore up the rocks. God must be in it. What did the Bible say? God was not in it. And after the wind, an earthquake. 
and the great rumbling and the shaking of the ground. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the what? The earthquake. And after the earthquake, evidently a great fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And so here we have a wind that's strong enough to just tear rocks in pieces. Something big and awesome. God must be in that, but he wasn't in it in this case. Nor was he in this massive earthquake, nor was he in this fire. But the Bible says in verse 12, But after the earthquake of fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, notice this, a what? A still, small voice. The Lord was in that. And you see, I've done this myself and I know multitudes of people who have made this mistake. They, 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 they look for God in the, in the massive, in the massive wind or the, or the, or the massive fire or the massive earthquake, you know, or the massive, there's gotta be a booming voice out of heaven. There's gotta be some kind of an angelic appearance. There's gotta be some pomp and circumstance. There's gotta be something big, something massive, something huge for God to be in it. But quite the opposite. Most of the time, I'd say 99.99 times out of 100, God manifests himself through that still, small voice. I like what one good minister said years ago. He said, uh, people, so many times, they miss the supernatural move of God because they're looking for the spectacular. Did you hear that? I've already seen services where, where just because there was no shouting, you know, sometimes people think you gotta have shouting and running and jumping and all that to have God there. You know, that, that a lot of times when you have shouting and running and jumping and all that, a lot of times God wasn't even there. It was just a bunch of flesh. Did you know that? But yet when, when you don't have that, people think, well, God mustn't have been there. But you need to realize that right this morning, there's not any hilarity going on here. There's not any, you know, what we think, you know, whoo, just off. But you know what? I'm telling you, the Spirit of God's moving here today and talking to people. That he might be healing people even as I'm teaching right now. Did you hear me? We need to realize that our big God often manifests himself in very small you know, small ways and in small things. And God uses small things. Did you know He uses small things to make large differences? How many of you know He took that boy's small lunch and He used it to make a large difference in a lot of people's lives when He fed the multitudes, didn't He? How many of you remember God took a small group of disciples and He turned the world upside down with with these men. How many of you know as the dark ages were upon us. That God used one man named Martin Luther. Didn't he? One man that would be obedient and bold. And stand up. We see the Wesley brothers. And that great I believe was the method, revival of the Methodists. Remember years ago I believe that was it. And, and God used just those two brothers in a very mighty way. And you can go back in church history. And see that, that God would, 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 would just pick one person here. Or, or, or a group here. And he would remember the Azusa Street Revival. Back in the early 1900s. And that group that met out I believe out in California. Wasn't it? And, and, and the spirit of God just got a hold of those people. And it caused a great revival in the land. You see? 
And I want to tell you today, don't despise the day of small beginnings or the day of small things. You know, the prophet Zechariah, on behalf of God, asked the question, Who has despised the day of small things? In other words, God asked that question kind of, kind of that he's going to be upset with somebody if they despise something just because it is small. I've learned this. If you want to be blessed by God, you must be faithful in that which is small. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with that which is small can also be trusted with that which is great. But whoever is dishonest in that which is small will also be dishonest with that which is great. See, until God can trust you with something small, he's never going to bless you with something large. Because if he can't trust you with something small, he cannot trust you with something large. I tell you what, friends, I've learned this over the years. Uh, The thing that oftentimes keeps us from advancing with God is not the big things. It's the small things we're not taking care of. Isn't there a scripture that says it's the small foxes that, what, spoil the vine? And I've watched this over years and years and years. I've watched it in my own life. I've watched it in the lives of countless people. They're never really able to advance with God very far because they won't take care of and deal with the small things. And then I've watched others that when they do begin to take care of the small things, God begins to bless them. And then when he begins to bless them, you know what happens? What happened to Saul, the king Saul? You know, he starts to bless and all of a sudden they start to get what? A haughty attitude and then they go backwards. Now, we need to realize that God is concerned about the small things, the little things. God's concerned about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. God God is concerned about that. And if we'll just take that which is small and be faithful in that which is small, then God will begin, because you see, He's a big God, but He's interested in small things. And then He'll bless us as we take care of those small things. But when the blessing comes, let's don't get haughty. Let's stay humble. Okay? You know, God is the great I am. How big is God? He's as big as you need Him to be. How small is God? He's as small as you need Him to be. Notice Psalm 147 verse 4 as I begin to close this message. Look at Psalm 147 verse 4. Notice this because in these three verses we're about to read, we're about to see the enormity of God and the smallness of God in three verses. Look, Let's look at verse 4. Psalm 147 verse 4. The Bible says, He counts the number of the stars He calls them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. That's a big God, isn't it? But if you look back up at verse 3, that big God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So as big as God is, is He small enough to move with His power into your heart and heal your heart? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. 
And don't ever forget that about God. That yes, he's big and yes, he's mighty and yes, he's awesome. But in that, in that enormity, he's also small enough to come right in where you are and come right into your heart and heal broken hearts and bind up, bind up wounds and things like that. If you look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 15th verse, I found something very interesting. I think it'll bless you. It blessed me when we find this out about God. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Of course, that's talking about Jesus. And, and, and we know Jesus is God and we understand that he's the second member of the Trinity and we, we understand that. And, and yet in his, in, in as big as Jesus is, he still sympathizes with our weaknesses. Why? Because he was a man, was he not? And he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. But, I, but I read this out of a, a, a one of the, a, Versions of the Bible, and and, and uh, you know, there's how many you know there's one Bible, but you know there's a King James version, New King James version, the NIV, and it was one of the versions. I listen to this. It says this: We do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Did you now think about that? God is say, say God's big. God's yeah, big. Say it again. God is, big. God is big. Yeah, God is big. But you know what? He's not out of touch with us. I want you to get that today. It's very important because I've watched things over the years. I've watched people that, that were one time what we would call ordinary people. Just like you and me. And, and, and I've watched, I've watched God raise them up and, 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 and they've become what we would call very, you know, significant and very large. And, and you know, in that enormity, I've watched people, they can lose track. And lose touch with the average person. Did you get what I just said? Did you get what I just said? I remember I was at a certain... This this will help you uh, an example. It's like a window in a house. It sheds light. I remember Pastor Diane and I were at a certain uh, minister's uh, conference many years ago. And, and they had this certain class where they had an architect come in and was talking to, there was probably about 40 or 50 pastors, just like Pastor Diane and I. And, and it, was a, it was a good ministry, we're, we, we're, good conference. But they had this architect come in and he was standing before the pastors and he was showing his project that he was working on. And it was like a, like a 40 or 50 million dollar church that he was building and, 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 and he was showing us all of the, you know, all of the different, you know, it was almost like building a, a mall, you know, and, and we're sitting there and, I mean, I'm just sitting there and, and, and finally one of the pastors raised his hand and, and he said, he said, sir, not to be disrespectful, but I can't relate with that. He said, I, I, I pastor out in the country. He said, I, I have a, just a very, very small setting. He said, I can't relate with it. See, that, that, that thing that that guy was, was presenting, that architect was presenting, it was so big that the average pastor couldn't relate to it. Did you get what I just said? Have you ever, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, where you, where you talk with people and they're not in touch with your situation. They're not in touch with where you're at. They, they've, they've, they, they've gotten so massive that they can't even relate with your deal anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Isn't it good to know that God is bigger than big itself? But yet in his enormity, how big is God? He's as big as you need him to be. But how small is God? He's just as small as you need him to be. And in his enormousness, he still has never lost touch with our reality. Can anybody say praise God? Well, stand with me if you would. I hope you got something out of this.